Welcome to Brit David Podcast. As we continue our walk through the book of Luke, as Pastor Tim shares a message from Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, entitled Liberation for Legion. A Roman legion consisted of 6,000 soldiers. Today, we meet a man who calls himself legion because of the overwhelming multitude of demons inside of him. He is the picture of the devastating effects of lostness on a person. He shows us on the outside what it looks like on the inside for a person to be without Jesus in his life. And it is a terrible condition. Here's Pastor Tim. Chapter number 8. Luke chapter number 8. Today we get to meet a man who is lost. In fact, every lost person seems to be uh, pictured at least in the passage that we look at today. This man that we will meet is a picture of a person without Jesus, a person who does not know Him as Lord and Savior, a person who would be like the one who, would write, who we would write about and say, you know, I don't know how a person gets through life without the Lord. This is how they get through life. A person on the outside may look as if they have everything together, but on the inside, it's a mess. Let me catch you up a little bit on where we are in our passage. Jesus and his disciples have just, as we're going to see today in verse 26, are finally going to get off this boat. They were on a boat, and as they headed through, remember Jesus took a nap down in the hull of the ship. And yet there was a storm that came upon them suddenly and severely and put those disciples in grave danger. Jesus, of course, gets up and miraculously calms that. But I mean, it's been a mess, you know. When they get off on that land, it, they're, they're ready for a little bit of relaxation, a little bit of, you know, catch their sea legs back together and, and, uh, and just kind of get themselves back together once again. And they're not going to have time for that. The story we're going to read today is no ordinary story. It's about a man that is no ordinary man. He's going to meet a Savior who is absolutely extraordinary. Let's do something today that we hadn't done in a long time. You got your Bibles open there? Let's stand together. Let's read this passage in its full. Luke chapter number 8, we're going to begin today in verse number 26. The Bible says, Then they sailed to a country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when Jesus stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but was in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. And they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. 
Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. Then he got into a boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Father, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word. We pray that you would bless the hearts with understanding, that you would that you would give us application even of this particular passage today. Your word says that your word fulfills its purposes, does not return void. Father, we pray today that your word would fulfill its purpose in our heart, in our worship service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. When a person is lost, this is what they're like. They're just like this man whom we call Legion, or at least that's what he calls himself. We discover in verse number 30 that this this is not his birth-given name. This is not what his mama named him. It's what he names himself. And because he calls himself Legion, we will call him Legion as well. And as we look into this passage today, we learn some things about Legion... We also learn some things about Jesus. In fact, there are two great truths that I want to share with you today out of this passage. And the first one is this. I want you to see that Legion was a miserable soul. Legion was a miserable soul. He is the picture of misery. The picture of misery within every lost person, every person without Jesus. That's who Legion is. He is a person who has denied the faith. He is a person who has compromised in his own life, in his own heart, and is living life apart from the design of God. Every lost person is in that same boat. Every lost person may not be demon-possessed, so to speak, but you serve one or two masters, don't you? You either try to serve yourself, which really is serving our enemy, or you serve the Lord God. This man has chosen not to serve the Lord God, but to serve his own interest, and thus really serving the interest of the demons who live within him. There's some things that the demons have done to this man that you need to be aware of. Let me give you five of them. Number one, I want you to see that this man was unhinged. He was unhinged. He was deranged, some people would say. He was crazy, some people would say. But he is not demented because there is some chemical imbalance that's taking place in his brain. That's a reality, isn't it? But this man is in the condition that he's in 
According to verse number 30, because an unclean spirit has gotten a hold of him. He is the product of the work of a demon. He's not just a maniac. He's a demoniac. He is demon-possessed. He is demon-driven. He is demon-seized, as we've seen. And this demon is pulling this man apart. He's not the man that God created him to be. He's not the family man that God's created him to be. He's not the citizen that God has created him to be. Instead, this is a man in whom the devil has his absolute hooks. This is his condition. It's the same condition that we see today. As, as this uncleanness, this unclean spirit, which is about immorality. It's, it, it, it pervades our society. We, we see it all the way down into what children are exposed to today. How in the world can we get to a point to where it's disagreeable whether we should talk to kindergartners about their gender identity? That's ridiculous. Listen, Disney is not your family friend. Now, I've been to Disney, and I've taken my children to Disney, but all with the understanding that they are being used by the enemy to destroy my family. They want to make sure that the children and the generation that is to come are not grounded in biblical truth, but are grounded in the relativism that is a part of this culture today and is going to simply continue. If you think for just a moment that this man is unhinged, then know that our culture is unhinged. Our culture is coming apart. We see it in the violence of our day. We see it in the sexual perversion of our day. We see it in the fact that not only is it out there, we find it in here as well. I want to tell you something. When the devil has his hooks in you, then be ready because the new normal is debauchery. The new normal is depravity. The new normal is dishonesty. The new normal is degeneracy. And it's going to have its hooks on us. And it's after us. Listen, you are in a battle for your family. We're in a battle for our church. We're in a battle for our city. We have a very real enemy that wants to tear your life apart. And he's tearing this man apart. Day after day after day, he is more and more unhinged. Number two, I want you to see that this man was also unclothed. Actually, I don't want you to see him unclothed. <laughs> I just want you to read that he is unclothed. Now those men, those disciples, as they step out on the beach, may not have been aware of his nature, but they were sure aware of his nakedness, wasn't they? I mean, some naked man comes running after me. I'm going to know it pretty quick, you know? But listen, it's his nakedness that simply reveals his nature. It is his uncleanness, it is his immorality that has led him to be comfortable outside of modesty. That's where we are. Listen, the things about today's culture that surprises so many of our senior adults is that what we see broadcast on national television are things that they would have never even talked about in the privacy of their own home. It's a different day. 
and those sins of immorality that lead us to nakedness show us that immorality leads us down a path of sinfulness where nakedness, uh, uncomfortability, all of that, it all goes hand in hand. You know, Paul said those, those sexual sins are sins that harm a person's own body. So here comes a man who is sinning with his body, and he's sinning against his own body. The one thing that we are most prone to protect, suddenly even that becomes disposable in the day that we live in. This man is unhinged. This man is unclothed. Number two, or number three, <laughs> number two, it just reminds me there are three kind of people in the world, those that can count and those that can't. Number, number three, all right, some of you will get that in a minute. <laughs> he was unnerving. He was unnerving. I mean, if the guy's coming after me, I'm going to be unnerved, you know. But I think really about those townspeople as they, as they know this man. Do you notice in the, in, in, the, in the scriptures in verse number 27, it says that he had demons for a long time? He hadn't always been like this. This is a man who used to live in that city. This is a man whom we're going to discover towards the end of this passage who still has a house there, who still has family there, who still has friends there. But for a long time, he began with a little bit of uncompromising and it has led him to the point to where he is the town boogeyman. Notice that the Bible says that he doesn't live in that house anymore. Instead, the Bible says in verse 27 that he lives now in the tombs. I don't want you to get the idea that when it says that he lives in the tombs, that he lives at Park Hill. Or that he lives at Evergreen, which, man, is one of the nicest places I've been in a long time. Or even lives down at Porterdale. We're not talking about some memorial gardens which are manicured and maintained. When he says that he lives in the tombs, this is a place just on the outskirts of town where they take the bodies of the dead who have no burial plot, the bodies of the dead who have no family to take care of them, and they take those bodies and they drop them off and they leave them there to rot. That's where this man lives. Can you imagine the sight? Can you imagine the smell? And yet that's where this man finds his comfort. He's comfortable in the tombs. He's not comfortable in the town. But yet the Bible says that every single night, you know, Mark tells the same story that Luke tells. But Mark adds this little caveat. He says that while he's being chained and while he's under guard, just like Luke says here in verse number, I lost my spot, just like Luke says over in verse number 29, that he is bound and chained and yet he's been given supernatural strength that he breaks those chains and he runs around like a crazy man. But Mark adds the fact that he says that he cuts himself and that he screams and he yells all day and all night. Now listen, out of a place of the tombs, I mean, for as bad as it looks and as bad as it smells, at least it ought to be a quiet place, right? On any normal day, there's not a lot of sounds coming out of the tombs. 
But when the wind is down, everything's still. In the town, in the middle of the night, little boys and little girls are trying to go to sleep. They can hear legion off in the distance, screaming, yelling. You ever had the unfortunate uh, privilege of being in a hospital when somebody in another room down the way screams all night long? That's what this was like. I can imagine those parents, you know, trying to make their kids learn how to behave. If you don't act right, legion's going to come get you. You know, you better go to sleep. You hear him? Legion's coming. Better go to sleep. It's unnerving, isn't it? Every day to hear the screams. Every day to know that he's cutting himself. Listen, the day that we live in today, our teenagers struggle with these very same things. The very same source that drove Legion to cut himself leads some of our teenagers to cut themselves. The very same demons that lead this man to scream in the middle of the night cause our teenagers to scream out louder in their own heart day after day after day. Every single day, the enemy is after our young. Every single day, there's a battle that's taking place. And it is unnerving, isn't it? Let's keep going. Number four, he was untamed. He was untamed. We see there in verse number 29 that they try to put him under guard. They try to put him under shackles. And yet he continues to break those things in two so that he's free. I mentioned to you Mark's gospel and Mark's telling of the story. Mark includes this little phrase at the end of his, he says, neither could anyone tame him. This is a wild man. He's not wild because he's been born that way. He's wild because the devil has led him that way. He's wild because his own, his own, uh, his own giving in, his own compromises has yielded this as a result. Listen, you may think that you're in control. <laughs> you may not be in control. The alcoholic who says, I can stop anytime I want to, I just don't want to. You know what he's really saying, right? I don't have any control. He has a control of me. There's an old Japanese proverb that says, First, the man takes a drink. Then the drink takes a drink. And then the drink takes the man. That's what you see in this passage. The demons have taken over this man completely. And he's a wild man now. He is untamed now. And fifthly, he is unsettled. He is unsettled. I mean, you know the town folk are. You know the little boys and the little girls are. But I want you to know that from the moment that Jesus stepped ashore, that this man is now unsettled. 
He believes that this is the day of reckoning. He doesn't know this is the day of redemption. He thinks this is the day of his destruction. And yet it's about to be his day of deliverance. Did you notice his words back in verse number 28? In verse number 28, he sees Jesus and the Bible says that he cries out with a loud voice. We've already seen him doing that from the tombs. But now it's directed. It's not just cries that are filling up the air. This is a cry that goes to the heart of Jesus. You could say this is his prayer. As he falls down before him and says, What have I to do with you, Jesus Son of the Most High God. What the religious leaders refuse to recognize, what many townspeople refuse to acknowledge, the demons know and are not afraid to say, we know who you are, Jesus, Son of God. Jesus, God the Son. Jesus, you Son of the Most High God. They know who He is. And they know what he's up to. They know how history's going to plan out. The disciples may not know yet. The people in Luke's day may not know yet. The townspeople may not know yet. But the demons know what the book, back of the book says. The back of the book says that one of these days, with the word of his mouth, Jesus is going to take every one of those demons and cast them into an abyss. Cast them down into a bottomless pit. They know that day's coming. They know. And so they strike out at everybody that they can find, just like this particular man. But it's not time, is it? They know what the timetable looks like. Jesus hasn't been to the cross yet. Jesus hasn't returned the second time yet. They know it's not time for them to be cast into the, to the abyss. And so they say to him, I beg you, Do not torment me. By the way, Matthew tells the same story. And he adds this. He says, do not torment me before the time. They know what's coming. They know. Jesus isn't here to cast them into the abyss. Jesus is here to save this man. He's unsettled because he thinks that this is the day that Jesus is going to cast them into a lake that, fi- that, that burns with fire and with brimstone. And they're afraid. And they're afraid. They're afraid of what's coming. You know, I like this song that's playing on the radio right now that says, the things that I am afraid of are afraid of you. These demons that all the townspeople are afraid of. The demons that Legion himself is afraid of. They're afraid of Jesus. He's stronger than they are. They know that if Jesus wants to cast them into the abyss, he can do it just like that. And so instead they beg him, don't they? Don't cast us into the abyss. Let us go into those swine. And we'll talk about Jesus permitting them in a minute. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim shares the conclusion to the message from Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Liberation for Legion. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know 
that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.